Hello and welcome to the Australian Revolutionist. Uh, Revolutionist. That's a great start. Uh, I'm your host, Josh Toombs. Um, hope you've been well uh, in isolation. Uh, today marks the first episode that I'm joined by another soul. So I'm sure that's a relief to many of you who have been listening. Uh, but today's episode, we're going to talk about racism. And I guess uh, a lot of what has um, occurred and been stoked during this coronavirus pandemic. So um, I guess without getting too much into it, I want to introduce who I have on the show today. So his name is James Hales, uh, a great comrade and friend of mine. Um, I've known him for a while now. He uh, is basically finished his Bachelor of Business and Bachelor of Government and International Relations. He's very interested in public and governmental policy, um, and I sh- I'm sure you are going to find him a, an interesting person to hear his views, and I'm sure you'll learn a lot. So, James, how are you? Yeah, cool. Thanks for the introduction. Not too bad, man. Um, yeah, you know, keeping calm, buggering on, you know. It feels like a bit of yep. a 1940s Winston Churchill house at the moment. But uh, <laughs> isolation is treating us all well, you know, just yeah. checking up on the housemates. And um, yeah, but um, currently I'm still an essential worker, so uh, still got to go outside and make contact with the outside world. Yep, yep. So do you want to, uh, maybe it's best if you tell um, people what you do um, and, and then we can go from there. Um, so currently at the moment, I am working for one of the large banks in Australia, Um I'm, my, my official title is a banking consultant, but you can really just call me a teller. Um, so right now as an essential employee, uh, usually I have to go branch to branch to uh, give assistance wherever they need. But right now, because of the uh, pandemic we're going through at the moment, is uh, they're keeping me to one branch because if one of our casuals get infected, you know, it could take down a whole branch because we all got to go into isolation. Mm. So um, there's been no reported cases on our end uh, here yet. And, you know, it's really good to see the rate that this thing yeah, not really good, but it's good to see that at the rate we are going in Australia, infections aren't getting too high like in Spain, Italy, or the USA. Yeah, it has been promising, especially after some of the measures that they've finally, I guess, brought into place. It is looking as though we're starting to contain it. Um, so I guess to start off the, the episode today about racism, I know you and I have been talking about what you have been witnessing, and I think for myself I've been probably distanced from it a little bit thankfully um obviously i know that, that that you know racism is occurring you can see it on social media but do you want to talk to, talk to us about what you've seen so far during this pandemic and your experience of of that well even just in the workplace and just day-to-day basis you know walking through calls you can see the reaction and the expression on people's faces you know they present to you know the asian uh people and uh cultures there um, but in my workplace here, I work with a lot of Japanese and Chinese people. Um, we use them in, um, as translators in our major CBDs in Southport. So uh, we've got a lot of uh, Asian staff members there. Um, in one of our branches in particular, we've got a lot of racism happening at the moment. Uh, a lot of people are refusing yep. to actually be served from our staff members. Um, and they're also just throwing out racist comments as well. So, wow. it's, so it's, why do you think... Sorry, James, I was just no, going to no. ask you, why, why do you think people are uh, doing that? Like, why are they refusing? I mean, obviously the fact that it, it would actually be perceived as racism, but why do you think that is? What it stems down to at the end of the day is people are scared. Um, you mm. know, they're, we're, we're, all, we're all in this together and we're all fighting something that we can't see. Um, people are asymptomatic, so some people could have the virus and actually not present any symptoms and going around spreading it. 
But um, mm. at what people understand at the moment and what the general population, for the Australian population, understand at the moment is that Asian people have corona, which is, you know, completely untrue. But they see that the whole, this issue stemmed from China. And the way they see China at the moment is that the whole of Asia, anyone of an Asian background is currently Chinese to them at the moment. And they can, uh, you know, it's and it's public enemy number one. They got something to hate. Yeah. And we know that fear has been used, um, you know, for a long time uh, for, for, from governments around the world to kind of suppress um, people uh, to, to, I guess, push through policies and, and things that wouldn't usually be pushed through. Um, and I guess it's being, again, um, starting to show its head here, even though the government hasn't really tried to, I guess, push actively, uh, I guess, in comparison to what America has done and, and what I've seen with Trump calling it the Chinese virus. What do you think about that? And what do you think about the dangers are of calling it uh, by a country, a virus by a country name? So what he's doing there is he's directly targeting a country, you know. Um, I think the repercussions of that afterwards, once we are through the coronavirus and once we are through this recession, if we can even call it a recession, it might even be a depression. But right now, like Donald Trump does, and what he thinks he's doing all the time, is he can go on his Twitter and he can go and target people, and he thinks there's no repercussions after that. I think yep. what will happen is that China right now will begin on the international level to stop all trade agreements between China. Uh, between America, sorry, like they've already begun to do with Huawei and everything like that. Yep. Um, in, in all honesty, it's, you know, the, the future has many possibilities and I don't really know how to interpret it at the moment. Mm, and and that that is true. There's a lot to this crisis that we don't know as of yet. Um, I guess you know, in your work, um, and you've, you've mentioned that you've had people, you know, who've refer- refused to, to be served by someone of a certain, uh, you know, race, uh, I guess, can you think of any other example? Like maybe is, is there things that you've seen on social media that in particular that, that has caused you to kind of, I guess, be a little bit triggered in the sense that, you know, you see it as something that shouldn't be being, being spread over social media? I think, the, the two things what people are doing at the moment is spreading misinformation, which um, really annoys me because I'm, I'm sure you're probably aware of people blurting out about the 5G networks. Yes, yeah. yeah I, I, just can't, I, I just can't help but read into that whole you know, paragraph of what they have to say and still just not understand what they're trying to push across. Um, I think the, the spread of misinformation is one big thing at the moment and people just blatantly blurting out you know so it's like social media posts saying oh someone ate a bat and now i can't go to the pub and get a palmy it's yeah it's just you know it's just so stupid in honest in all honesty um they they are making this thing about themselves which it's not it's much bigger than them and i think they need to understand that and still today you know we, we cannot express enough the social distancing rules but they are being broken every day um people are still going to the beach they're not self-isolating you know if we're going to do it, like we're not in full lockdown yet, but people need to start self-isolating if we really want to nip this in the butt. Yep. Yep. And we were seeing uh, on the news yesterday, even that, uh, you know, markets in Bondi are still being flooded with people. I think, you know, it is getting across, but it's still obviously not taking a hold like it will need to. Um, And I think that probably, again, is adding to people's uh, 
resentment and hatred towards whether it's towards um you know a certain race or not um mm. it's certainly giving um you know height to to the to the crisis we're in um i wanted to ask you uh, with the with what's going on around the world, um, you know, people are, you know, I guess have this common sentiment that I've seen um, that, you know, well, the, the virus did originate in China and, you know, someone, you know, we're saying, you know, whether it's a pangolin or, or a bat, um, you know, people are saying, well, you know, it's caused by that wild animal market in China. I guess what would you, what's your prognosis of, of that and is there any truth to people i guess resenting the fact that you know it did start in china because of some of the wild um, animal markets that they have over there what's your kind of take on that um one of the theories i've heard which is being supported a lot is um in the wuhan area there's actually a massive pork industry now or that you know there's not really a great regulating a regulating body in communist china to regulate industries like we do here in australia and countries like america or uk however in these you know, in these, um, I guess you could call them farmhouses where they are keeping uh, the pigs, is that the bats have actually been kept in the barns as well when they sleep overnight and they have put droppings on the pigs and when the pig has been put to the slaughter, it's been distributed across the world. Um, mm. Apparently that's how it's been spread to America really fast, like it has because the pork's actually been sold overseas and also distributed into China. That's a theory that's supported really well at the moment. But like we said, we, we can't really, you know, it's like finding a needle in a haystack at the moment to find patient zero. Um, when we talk about if this bat, uh, if this bat, you know, I'm going to call it a theory for now, is plausible, we can't really hold a whole race or culture accountable because this practice is not only done in China, it's done in multiple different cultures across the world, across the globe. Um, and what we have here, people is saying, someone ate a bat and now it's spread across the world and now everyone's dying. What we can do is we can hold governments accountable. We can't hold races or cultures accountable because that's just wrong. And that's what we're seeing at the moment. People are being targeted, whether it, not even if they're Chinese, like I was saying earlier, you could be, you know, Korean. And there was still, it's the exact same thing that's happened at work. We have this Korean lady. She is, you know, getting all this abuse held to her because she's now in that demographic for people who think this is right. Mm, she looks that way. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you have a great point. And, um, you know, like, as you said, you know, the government in China has a lot to be responsible for here. I mean, we've seen, um, you know, quite... Uh, early that they did uh, try to shut down any, uh, you know, reports or rumours that it was spreading and that it was a serious virus. So, of course, you know, when we talk about uh, putting blame, it's it's sensible, I think, to blame the government and, and they could have acted, I guess, a lot quicker. But I yeah. think, I guess in looking at, at, at blaming culture, obviously I don't think that that is helpful at all. Um, and we know that because the, the virus um, doesn't discriminate. Um, obviously, you know, yeah, yeah while, exactly. while it started in China, you know, it hasn't spread, but also it doesn't actually do anything to talk about the solution or it doesn't actually do anything to help the issue by uh, actually targeting people based on their race anyway. Because if you think about it, someone in Australia who has had no responsibility at all, they weren't patient zero, they weren't the one that was, mm-hmm. you know, doing that. What, what does it do to, I guess... Uh, hate them um, because of something that that has been ongoing in in China as a cultural kind of association there for for a long time. So yeah, I think you're right. What we like to do as you know humans 
is not take accountability for our actions. And it's more, it's more easier to point the finger than to actually do anything about it. Mm. And that's what we're doing right now. You know, like you said, great, great point. You know, we, we are, you know, we've got the problem in front of us, but you know, no one actually wants to bring a solution to the problem. Um, where that ties into how our political culture has been for the last 10 or 20 years, potentially, um, you know, it, it, after the financial crisis in 2008, we saw a lot of rise to right-wing populist parties. Um, this is a, you know, this is something that's been on the um, uprise for quite a while now, and I think this is just going to skyrocket after this. Parties like Qatar, the One Nation Party, they they're going to just have all the support in the world now. All the progress that the Greens and you know we can include the Labor Party in this, I think, is lost. Yep. Okay. Well, that's pretty. That's a pretty strong prognosis, and I was going to bring that up actually. Um, so, you know, I guess you've touched on here, but um, you know, I guess to the question really is, um, it, you know, does One Nation and these fringe kind of parties on the right do they actually yeah. do they contribute to, to racism? And if you think you know they do, and I think you've already kind of alluded to that, uh, how do they contribute to to the racism? Like, how do you think that 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 is being carried out in Australia? It's, it's the same thing, like I was saying before, that they see that public enemy number one is Chinese people and those Asian cultures. And that all they're saying is, all, and all they need to say is, let's get them out. Let's kick them out. And everyone's like, yeah, that's something I can agree to. That's something easy I can understand. So parties like One Nation and Pauline Hansen, she's been a lot more active on social media lately than she has been after the, uh, after the federal election. And everyone, uh, even on my Facebook, I see them sharing her uh, posts um, into regards what she's actually saying at the moment. All I understand is just, you know, racist bigotry. Um, she, like you said, that she doesn't bring anything to the solution other than saying, let's, you know, <laughs> ship them all off. Yeah. And, and I even saw, um, and I, and I don't know um, the credibility of this article, I think. Um, but I think a lot of people will be familiar with it is that there was the story about how China was buying a lot of our medical supplies, um, mm. which I think did stoke a lot of hatred towards China um, and, and, you know, bring on that racism. But I think people have probably forgotten that that was actually at a time where Wuhan was being overwhelmed with the virus and we actually didn't have many cases or we have any at all. Um, and, you know, they needed actual supplies. So I think people are forgetting that. But also, um, you know, it does sound like it probably could have been rationed a bit more effectively. Do you have any thoughts on on that especially um, and what, you know, I guess occurred and, and, you know, I guess what Pauline is now saying as a result of that and why that's wrong? Do they have any grounding to say that that's wrong? And, you know, is that something that we should be outraged at? No, no, definitely not. We shouldn't be. Like you said, we didn't have many cases. At, at that time, we, we were classing the coronavirus as an epidemic, you know. It was only happening in mainland Asia. Um, like any country would do, act on the world stages, we would provide support. And that's what we did at the time. Um, now this thing has gotten a, a lot more bigger. And now we have to take our national interests back to our own countries. Um and like you were saying, with these whole reports of Chinese people buying up all our medical supplies, I was watching, you know, Current Affairs the other day. Not that I'd like to seem like I subscribe to that media outlet. Um, yeah. But um, they were, do, do you remember, I think it was a year or two years ago, about all the Chinese people buying up the baby formula? And then yeah, it back I do home. remember that. They, were send, mm. they had the exact same video that was filmed two, one or two years ago and using it today, saying that this is happening. 
all these Chinese people are coming into your stores and buying up all your supplies while everyday Australians go out and starve. I'm like, what absolute bullshit. Yeah, and you have a yeah, that, and I think that's important to kind of focus in on here is that we know. I mean, just from the sounds of that, we know that that sells. We can see that that is that is a saleable um, headline, and we can't forget that that you know the media actually has a role to sell here these stories to us. And even I just saw um, upon scrolling down for this podcast, looking at um, Pauline Hanson's um, One Nation Party page. And she'd shared that we should ditch the United Nations. And she was actually posted a, a photo of their Twitter. And it said that, um, you know, that it was of the WHO, uh, World Health Organization, saying that preliminary investigation conducted by Chinese authorities have found no clear evidence of human-to-human transition of the novel coronavirus. But that, that, and she was saying that's why we shouldn't, you know, trust anything coming out of China. But the thing is, that was back before this was actually, this is back before we even um, knew how this was, how this virus affected people. And that there was not a lot known. So sharing it now is, is I, I would, I would argue is, is misinformation and it's giving people that hatred for uh, with, without actual, you know, timely sense of that information. Yeah, no, hundred um, percent. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like with what Pauline's suggesting, it's kind of getting flashbacks back to 1930s Germany at the moment. Um, also, back onto the the who the who organizer, the World Health Organization. It's funny that um still Donald Trump. Have you heard this? Refuses to use the coronavirus testing kits um that have been permitted by the yeah. World Health. Org- he's he's gone with the CDC, which have a fail rate of like 45 percent. They're not even that accurate. It, it, it does make the mind boggle. And I think, you know, in America, they're, they're you know, using all of their medical supplies, um, you know, a couple of days ago for private companies to sell to states. So they have, you know, obviously some big issues yeah, um, going on with, with their priorities. And I think even, I guess, to, to circle back and, and you know, uh, make the point of how we can't, um, we can't use, you know, China buying up our resources, if, if you believe that, or, you know, us helping China out, you know, when they needed it, you know, it, I think we've got to come back and reflect on, you know, I think everyone would agree, we are a privileged and wealthy country, we've got to now start to understand, well, why don't we have the medical supplies? I mean, you know, why can't we start to produce that? And I think when we start to approach it from that situation, you start to associate, well, who's in control of that? And how could that happen? And that's where you currently you look at our current government and, and what they could be doing, um, instead of, I guess, looking outwards and blaming others. Yeah. And also on top of that as well is, in, in saying that the Chinese government aren't helping themselves because what they're trying to do and what they're trying to play off is that we're not affected by this coronavirus as much as people think, which they totally are. That What China are doing at the moment, they're underreporting. They're saying basically they're planting the flag down and saying, yep, we beat coronavirus. They've released people from two-month isolation. And what's going to happen is going to end up back up in square one. It's already happening again. There's been reports of the second wave of coronavirus in China. So the Chinese government aren't really helping themselves by, you know, like any communist government want to do, they, you don't want to think communism is anything but perfect, you know, imperfection would be anything least than a communist government, you know, they're yeah. playing a, a game of charades, something that, you know, the USSR did uh, during Chernobyl, you know, there was a lot more deaths and fatalities from the um, Chernobyl disaster, but here we are as the USSR government reported only 40 deaths. So... What China's doing at the moment is what we're seeing is America skyrocketing, Italy skyrocketing, Spain skyrocketing. And every day when I check on it, China is still at like 85% infected, recovery rates going up, and then their deaths are, you know, still slowly going up, but nothing to the degree of what, you know, the rest of the world's going through, which I don't think is any what true. 
No, I think you made a great point. And I think people may say as a result of that, well, you know, communism is bad. But I think what I would argue and what I would want people to kind of remember and keep in mind is that there is actually some similarities between our systems. Um, you know, you could call it a democracy. I would call it, um, uh, you know, to capitalism, you know, uh, our economic system. I would say that, you know, yes, we can say 100% what you just touched on with communism is, isn't a good thing, but then equally what we're doing over here um, is where, you know, everything's for profit. So we're seeing that the medical supplies that are needed, uh, you know, as an example in America, are being stockpiled for private companies to sell to the states. I mean, that equally is is playing with fire. And, you know, we can, we can say the same for the fact that, you know, we've had all these large stimulus packages in Australia, which have been good and they have been progressive, but you know, has they haven't still haven't touched on the issue of what if we don't have enough ICU beds, or there hasn't been mass production invoked to nationalise companies to produce test kits? Because I think, you know, that again, so like people blaming, um, you know, communism and, and, and these types of things is is not helpful when you've got to look at our own systems and look at what we're doing, um, you know, as a result of that. Yeah, no. Thank God, um, Australia aren't at the stage yet, like they are in Italy and Spain, where it where, where it comes to our medical staffs to make the decision: does this person live or die? I think that's absolutely awful, awful to think about. But um, thank God we're not at that stage yet. You know, um, we're not even at the eye of the storm yet. We're we're, we're still just seeing the clouds in the distance. This has a you know even when we talk about coronavirus, like I was saying earlier, this affects so much, so much more. Because what we're dealing with right now is we're dealing with two crises. We're dealing with the global pandemic of coronavirus, COVID-19, and we're going to be seeing a recession. And all, all, all that's happened now is a lot of people have lost their jobs. And even just being in the banks right now, the amount of people that are coming in filing for financial hardship is heartbreaking. Yeah, I can imagine that would be. And I mean, while we're talking about this issue, um, how do you think racism will play, um, you know, in as we start to, well, we're not, we, 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 as you said, we're not into the center really of the eye of, of this of this crisis yet, but as we start to, to come towards it, if we can envision that, how do you think racism will, will play a part in terms of governmental policy and what we might see play out in our country? I don't think it will be as much as a big deal here in Australia like it may be in other countries. You know, um, in saying that, we just don't really know. Uh, we are so close to... Um, Asia, you know, it would be interesting to see what policies would um, enact uh, in saying that we rely a lot on our students coming over here and studying here in Australia. At the moment, it's, it's pretty hard to pinpoint what the Liberal government want to do um, because nothing's really happening at the moment other than finding support for people um, in this time of need. Yeah. And, you know, maybe maybe that it, maybe it is too hard to kind of, um, you know, approach that yet. I, I wonder whether the whole sentiment towards, um, you know, our already harsh, I guess, you know, asylum policies, whether they might start to come into effect in a similar way towards Asia and, um, you know, will, will that kind of sentiment bring more people to the right or, you know, wh- where will, where will that guide people after this crisis? I mean, well, it's, it's well, like another thing I saw on social media is like, you know, the liberal government have been, you know, stopping the boats all this time. And someone said, well, they couldn't stop this one boat, yeah. Yeah. Um, which I think is a really awful dig, but I don't know, you know, um, I think Scott Morrison's, his shoes are a, a bit too big to fill at the moment. 
Um, what, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on the direction that we could be heading into? I think that it's been a watershed moment for Australia. My thoughts are that I definitely see a lot of people uh, drifting towards the right. I see a lot of people drifting right and left. I don't see a lot of people sitting in the center right now. As as much as I see people who are, I guess, engaging in in you know like five G conspiracies and stuff like yeah. that. I, I I think it's good that people are thinking outside the box. I wouldn't obviously encourage um you know to to, to go that far out there when there's no evidence. But what I would say is that um it was a change. Uh, I don't think the coronavirus, anyone needed it, no, but I think that was we were heading towards a tipping point and this has accelerated it. And I think that people are gonna, aren't going to be um, liking the whole political speech coming from Labor or Liberal. I think we're going to see a hard drift towards both sides, uh, whether it's Greens or uh, One Nation on the other side of politics. I'm hoping, obviously, that it goes towards probably the left and, and you know, because I think that, um, and we, you know, we can probably cut, touch on it um, for many reasons in episodes to come. Why I think that that is the case, but um, you know, even from what we've we've discussed today in racism, I think that is a tool that is used by One Nation, and we, you know, we've touched on why I think that isn't uh, what we should be striving towards in Australia. Um, but I think, unfortunately, people are going to drift to those hard extremes. Where I'm not advocating for a, I don't think a centre approach has worked for us in the past, you know, 20 years, but. Um, I hope we don't drift towards a way that hurts more people and uses hatred instead of love um, and progression, I guess. Yeah, no, definitely, 100%. And I think a lot of people feel that the, the Liberal Party have failed them. Um, and maybe, you know, the alternative is looking to these other parties, um, whether it's for the good of looking to the Greens Party um, or, you know, if you want to go the other route, the more extreme route and look into one nation. But, um, uh, you know, and the other scary thing is as well is, um, my partner's a social worker, as you know, Josh, and, you know, mm. domestic violence. I think that's another big thing as well. We've got to look at here. We've got so many people trapped inside with potentially an abusive partner. And the only people who are actually making any noise is the Greens party, which is great. Senator Larissa Water, Senator Larissa Waters, um, is being a big advocate at the moment. But, um, yeah, you know, it's a bit hard down where we have the shutdown of Parliament, which has never happened even through World War One or two, or throughout the duration of the Cold War. But, you know, suddenly we're in the situation we are in now and we kind of look at ourselves going, what did we do to get here? A hun- yeah, 100%. Everyone is having those thoughts and, you know, like to the domestic violence. I think that's, again, I mean, related. You could probably relate that to... Um, the blame, um, you know, racist type culture, I think there that um, would probably subsist within people who are, um, you know, uh, taking those actions against, you know, pre- predominantly women. Um, and it's, it is, it is definitely sad. Um, I guess maybe I was going to say, and I guess what you asked me before, but I was going to ask you, um, you know, with, with the fact that we've kind of said, I think we both kind of agree that people are drifting towards the extremes. Do you reckon that there's something that we can learn from the right in terms of, you know, the Paulines, the Bob Catters and stuff and, and how they have used their, um, their communication in terms of they, they haven't, uh, I mean, their, their, their state, you know, phrases that they, they, they have the guts to say what everyone's thinking. Do you think there's something there? Do you think that we should learn from that? The, the, the thing is, there's nothing we can do because we want to remain credible and, you know, as close to the information as possible where we have populist parties, like we even saw in Brexit, is that 
the uh, the Brexiters could say anything they wanted, whether it's true or not, and it would take the Remainers five days to catch up to only correct what they said wrong. Meanwhile, they just spread so much misinformation, and the whole time the opposite party just kept coming in, fact checking, correcting it, wasting their time. Where this populist rhetoric just spread so fast like wildfire, it, it won the vote. And I, I just don't think there's anything you know we can do without you know stepping outside the boundaries. And that's all honesty, because, you know, we want to make sure we aren't, you know, being the problem. Yeah. And I think, you know, you have a great point in bringing up Brexit there. I think that that is a key kind of comparison. I mean, you know, you can look at that and, and go, it, it is a great point because false information um, and um, populism statements, you know, that, that link in racism here are easier for people to spread. And, and um, I guess, believe and and um take that on for themselves and i think that um maybe there is something in terms of for us to learn from from you know being on the left side of things and how we can actually do the same except i guess approach it with love and 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 the opposite um because i think what we're seeing currently with labor is is that they're you know sucking up really hard to to the liberal party and basically becoming another um, another form of the right. They're really talking, yeah. they're, they're using the talking points of, of, of liberal, um, you know, of the liberal party. So I don't think that's the answer, but I think possibly, you know, we could look at this and, and see that, you know, the AOC effect in America, like we need some good communication and good communicators to counter this false information that, that so quickly spreads like wildfire um, was what I would say. Would, would you, you know, have anything to add? Well, yeah, and just on saying that as well is what these populist parties do so well is they point out the threat where parties like, you know, Greens Party, they point out the solution. And you know what? People don't ever want to listen to the solution. They just want to look at the threat um, without actually putting anything forward. And I think that's just the most, you know, the easiest thing for people to understand, you know. It's kind of like a people's entry point into understanding politics. They think if they, you know, they stand for what this party, like One Nation, stands for, which is blatant out racism, um, you know, xeno, xenophobic relations, um, that they, sorry, I'm lost for words. They but have yeah. a place. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I think you're right. And I think it's, um, it, it's, it's almost like I think there, there is this constant battle between the left and the right. And I think, Maybe it would help if we didn't, um, you know, from the left side, we didn't hate people as equally as they use that, um, you know, hate on their policy platform because I think um, that only, uh, you know, aids and abets, uh, you know, the people who we don't want to be. Um, And I would say that, you know, there's a lot of work that needs to be done on the left to engage in a way that doesn't blame people for believing in in those sentiments that they that they so um you know easily spread because i think that um there just hasn't been a reason and we have to look at it as as an opportunity to convince these people because i do think we we, you know i mean we can see this in america when you know you've got republicans voting for trump they um you know there was democrats in there but they were sick of the system and i think those same people are equally they could equally be be spinned into voting for someone like bernie and and you know we saw that throughout the democratic process over there um, that, you know, people didn't want to vote for a Biden and they would, that people who did vote Trump might've voted for Bernie. There was thousands, if not millions of those people. And I think the same could be said here if they're given an alternative and, and not blamed or touted for the reasons as to why they might believe that, that that might could be a step um, towards 
um, you know, I guess convincing people or, you know, offering another alternative. Yeah, no, Dev. Well, they, America need Bernie more than ever right now. Um, yeah. Um, I, I, every time I look at, you know, the American political climate, I just can't remain. I just, I'm just gobsmacked. Um, mm-hmm. Because the one thing um, that Donald Trump is throwing around now, oh, we passed a bill to allow free free coronavirus checks, you know. They, you, you know, your insurance company's not going to have to cover it. You're not going to have to pay for anything about it. Meanwhile, that only covers the checkup. If you actually need to go into um, the ICU um, and be looked after, you're going to be slapped with a $34,000 bill for being saved. There's, it's, it's crazy. Like this lady went into the hospital. She had to go into the ICU. She was on a ventilator. She was there for seven days. She was self-isolated in the hospital. She comes home and now she has $34,000 owing. It's crazy, isn't it? And as an Australian, I think people would be shocked to hear that. Yeah, exactly. You know, we'd be gobsmacked. But that's just the norm. Um, Universal healthcare, it's a right. It's a basic human right, Um, which is just, yeah, it's just astounding. It is. And it's a shift that I think Americans need to make, but we would probably need to make too in terms of we have stopped our progressive nature. You know, I mean, Australia has achieved a lot with um, Hawke and everything that happened in bringing in Medicare and Social Security uh, like America hasn't done. But you know, that hasn't happened in a long time. Um, so, you know, I think we do have to make that switch to viewing things as human rights and as, um, you know, things that people are entitled to if they're, you know, when, as soon as they're born. And it's a hard thing to communicate, which I think there's a lot uh, we need to do to be able to help people understand why that that is a, why that should be the case. Um, so, yeah, I guess maybe to kind of cap things off um i wanted to ask you about i guess looking into the future is how do you think we we get beyond racism uh especially during this pandemic but how do we do it after as well how do we heal ourselves and you know what what are your thoughts on on that it's going to be it's it's enormous it's going to be a long long process um it's going to take a lot of time to heal. There's going to be like, even like just for every, you know, the way we conduct our business every day, that's going to change the way, you know, we see or greet people is going to change. You're not going to go on for a hug the first time, you know, um, it's not only getting over those social hurdles. It's also coming to terms with people who are having these tendencies of racism. It, you know, it's just, we, we haven't been able to make them understand now. I don't know if it's ever going to be possible to make them understand after this whole event. It's just so hard. It's just such a delicate matter. Um, you know, we like you said, um, we were on such a good progressive shift, which has stopped in the last, I would, I'd say, decade. We've gone, because the One Nation Party, and that's and the, the, their, their model and basis have been built on that. You know, first it was Asian invasion back in the early 2000s. Now it's Islamophobia. Um, we're going to take a, we're going to shift back to the Asians again. Um, <laughs> yeah, yes. It's just, it's a crazy, it's a crazy platform that this party has. And it's, it's, I can't believe, you know, you know, we live in a democracy, but their voices, yes. Yeah. It is what it is. And it, and it is hard. And I think you, you know, if I, and that's what I'm hoping is that this crisis, um, this pandemic will actually help people really reckon with well you know what is it like to be unemployed what is it like to be someone who is unfortunate and i'm hoping that that um, experience might help people open up their minds to thinking about things differently and approaching things the other side because i think people on the right might currently say to us or, or before this pandemic would have said well 
you know, you're the ones who are preaching this to us, you know, you, you know, the onus is on you, but I would say the onus is on them because I think we have been brought up in the mainstream to believe uh, so much of what the right has said on hatred and fear. Uh, so the onus isn't on um, people on the left to prove why. I think it's actually on the onus on, on, on those people on the right to open up their minds because we haven't, the left hasn't dominated um, headlines. It hasn't dominated. It hasn't been the mainstream belief. So I think maybe if people can, can just approach it with a sense of open-mindedness and, and just hear things out. And I, and I agree, there's people on the left who don't do this well and who, who approach it with the same hatred that, that, um, you know, that is, they're trying to fix and that's not and the right way either. But yeah, it, yeah, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Um, that's a great example, but I think, yeah, they need to be, I guess, enlightened to people who will respect them and, and let them ask the questions, um, that they want to ask so that they, we can bring, uh, people around. I think that's the only way maybe, yeah, do you think we're currently, you know, with these right-wing parties, do you think they're going through a current, like, I told you so moment? Do you reckon that's happening right now? And people are, like, kind of going, oh, my God, they were right. Yeah, and I think that's being weaponized almost. Yeah, because well, I think exactly. That, yeah, it, it's it's um, it's almost like a uh, an Uncle Sam, you know, point the finger moment where they're, they're just – almost touting people into believing them and if you don't well well you know this will this will happen again or you know we'll, we'll get you or something like that and, and it's that fear again it's that but it's being a th- even more heightened state of saying you know i told you so no one likes that so i think yeah that has only made things worse i think sure. yeah weaponize is a perfect example it is um and it's it's dangerous. It is really dangerous that the um yeah, like you said, the type of language they're going to use from now on is just going to be, I don't know. So you, know, it doesn't even have to be persuasive anymore. You know what I mean? It's just going to be like one line catchphrases, and people are going to be like, "Done, I'm there." And that's what would you say that both you and I would would say to people as to why they should? I I guess not listen to that. We would say that um because you know, it's so easy to make those things up and so easy. Don't do, do you think like, I, I would say that we both say that, um, you know, open your mind up a little bit. Just remember that it's not or it's never that black and white. It's never, it's yeah. never that uh, simple. Um, yeah, exactly. hundred percent. That, you know, could be a way that we, you know, we would say, you know, don't, don't listen to that. But, you know, sometimes people just want it to be simple, you know, like we have to think of these, you know, it, not everything has to be complex, but from our political viewpoint, it is in all honesty. Yeah, nothing, you know, from now on and even, you know, in the past, nothing will ever be this um, simple ever again. No, I just think, um, yeah, I think you're right. It's that this crisis is definitely making people reevaluate uh, a lot. What I'd like to bring up as well is um, when we did the volunteering for our um, election, for, for the election um, last year in our district, mm-hmm. well, my district, and you came down to help me, which was really, really yeah. good. And we had a lot of fun that day. Um, it's crazy because I, I actually can't wait to see the numbers and um, the statistics. So when we did it, um, like I was telling you earlier, um, last year, uh, later last year, um, when we did that, the one nation party, which didn't have a candidate, they had, sorry, they had a candidate in the area, but they actually had no party representation in any of the booths. They had no information on the candidate on their one nation website. Um, and they didn't have any banners anywhere. Um, they got 10,000 votes, 2,000 more than the Greens, and there was no representation at all. I think if that doesn't say anything, like, come on, that's crazy, right? And that's just, that is that's crazy. just, that's just last year. I, I wonder what the, um, the votes will be in the next coming federal election. It sounds messed up. I look forward to it, 
only to just be gobsmacked and baffled because 10,000 votes for no representation, that's just, that's mind boggling. Mm, I agree. And I, that's a great to bring up because I think that is so good to reflect on and to ask why that, how, how that is working. And, you know, I, I think what everything that we have talked about in this podcast is, is the reason why, you know, it's, it's just, it's being spread, um, so easily and they don't it's 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 they don't need that people connection it's just so easy to connect to these statements that um you know that that unfortunately are misleading to people i would say but um yeah it will be very interesting um and yeah it's 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 worrying <laughs> i think the opposite uh will will happen but um you yeah, know i think you've got a great uh yeah great point so I guess um, probably brings us we've probably talked yeah, enough no, about. We've, we've nearly gone to like the conclusion three times. <laughs> yeah, we, I think we did a conclusion yeah. about five or ten minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> this is a rolling conclusion. Yeah. Um, is there anything else you want to add, James? Um, at the end of this, for people to you know remember, or anything you just want to say? I think the one thing I'll let people off with is you know look out for your friends, um, look out for your family, stay safe, and wash your hands for twenty seconds and sanitize all the time and you know what there will be a light at the end of the tunnel and we'll all come out of this together yep i could not sum that up better myself so yeah thank you for coming on james uh no, so we will definitely me. do that's okay no we will do more of these for sure um and you know i think we'll eventually figure out how to, how to make it uh efficient and um get the systems working uh better because it's only the third pod, uh, episode in, in the podcast but yeah i hope uh people if you've made it this far you've enjoyed the conversation there'll be more conversations um with james um as we try to i guess bring a different perspective and get you thinking um we definitely you know as we were saying we don't judge anyone for you know if you are on the right obviously we we probably do have a different believe to you but you know we encourage you to i don't know talk it's great that you're interested you know if you've made it this far and, and you're you're thinking about it so thank you for listening um and from james and i we will see you next time thank you very much Side to side to tell my trouble come alive